Welcome to another spectacular episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. This week, I'm going to be answering a lot of questions. I receive emails, texts, and messages a lot asking me certain questions, different things about the paranormal, my interests, how I got into this field. And I'm going to take time today to answer a lot of those. So it'll be a Q&A session for this week's episode. And I will be discussing a current event that caught my attention uh, pertaining to artificial intelligence, which I think I need to share with you. Has everything to do with sneak peek. An android wanting to start a family. Not an android phone, but a legit cybernetic android like C-3PO, but with human flesh over it. Or sort of like a type of rubbery flesh. Anyway, I will leave you with that. And please hold for an important message from one of my spectacular sponsors. I have to say that because two of my other sponsors got mad at me for making fun of them. Please hold. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. Welcome back to this segment in which uh, which will allow me to answer your paranormal questions. The first question comes from Alan. He asks, what got you into reading about and researching the paranormal? I've said in previous episodes, and this may be your first time hearing this, but I was enthralled with TV shows in the mid to late 70s, like That's Amazing and... Ripley's Believe It or Not, plus a series of documentaries, uh, one with Leonard Nimoy, uh, another with Raymond Burr, and then George C. Scott did a few of these, and they were an offshoot of the scripted drama documentary series called That's Amazing. It was a one-hour-long, sometimes two-hour-long documentary where they would talk about the Bermuda Triangle. They would talk about haunted castles, haunted houses, uh, alien invasions, UFO sightings, Bigfoot sightings. And, you know, this was something that I would catch in the middle of the day because I was very young at this time, was not in school yet, or it was on during the summers in the late 70s, early 80s, and I would catch these and watch them. And then we got a VCR and I started recording them on VHS tapes so I could then watch it whenever I wanted to watch it and just fast forward through the commercials. That is what got me into reading about such phenomenon. 
And one of the first books I checked out from the school library was all about cryptozoological type creatures. Uh, Mothman being one of them. Uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, the Loch Ness Monster, various other strange creatures that are of that uh, type of um, paranormal element. And of course other books pertaining to haunted castles, UFO sightings. There were a lot of really interesting and oddly categorized books in the early 80s, late 70s pertaining to that subject matter. And I really got into reading about, of all things, people being cryogenically frozen because that was like the thing to do in the late 70s and early 80s. And the rumor was, for example, Walt Disney had his head frozen, put on ice cryogenically. Uh, There's no validity to that. It's just a rumor. Uh, But cryogenically freezing someone, you're supposed to be able to freeze them if they are stricken with an illness that there's no cure for. And they can then be thawed out after so many years and supposedly come back to life and receive the cure once it's available. Uh, There's still a lot of people on ice, and I don't think it's ever really going to work to where they just shut the systems down and wake these people up. Don't know how that's going to work. It would work on an amphibian. Reptiles are able to do this. But humans, not really. I got way off topic. But that answer, I hope that answers your question about uh, when I started reading about the paranormal. And what really interested me and got me into the, that type of genre. Uh, another question is from Mark. Are you psychic or clairvoyant? Well, I'm definitely not psychic, or I would have seen this question a long time ago, but clairvoyant, that's kind of a dual-edged sword. I'm not not like the ghost whisperer. I'm not like the kid from the sixth sense who sees dead people. I am what would be categorized as an empath. I can hone in on atmospheric changes, electronic... Uh, things that are uh, electrically charged, electronics, turning on or off. I can sense the electrical pulse. I can sense electromagnetic energy. I can sense animosity, tension, depression, sadness. Uh, I can really hone in on people's emotions. And with that being said, I'm able to do the same with those that are not physically here, but are manifesting near where I am. And I can see auras surrounding people, uh, giving off energy levels or readings of what type of person they might be on the inside, not showing on the exterior. And I have scientific or pseudoscientific tools I use, uh, methods to measure and categorize and give readings of what I'm feeling in my body. I then prove scientifically that this is happening and this is where it's happening with electromagnetic field meters and and readers and as well as K2 meters. Uh, I can sense these things and I... It only became more intense when I gave my life to Jesus Christ and became a Christian. It's almost as if it's a spiritual gift for me. And that works for me. Not everyone believes in God or Jesus or what have you, but for me it works. Oh, this is interesting. The next question from Mandy, which I was just talking about 
you talk about your Christianity a lot in some episodes. How can you be a Christian and believe and study these things? Aren't they considered of the occult? Uh, I don't think the wording there is correct uh, grammatically. Aren't these things considered of the occult would be correct, but that, that's enough schooling for now. Uh, actually, no. Now, if I were encouraging people to communicate with the dead, conduct seances, do bloodletting, uh, use Ouija boards for the wrong purposes, not just for a game and a sleepover or asking if I'll marry Tommy or Billy if you're at an all-girls sleepover or if, you know, if there's boys wanting to marry Tommy or Billy, whatever. Uh, if you use a Ouija board like that, it's like taking a hammer to a piece of glass. Uh, the party lines come to mind on a phone line back in the day. You pick it up. You don't know who's on the other side, but they're talking to you because they're already having a conversation with another person. So when you go dialing in with a Ouija board or a seance, you really don't know who's going to appear on the other line. But as a Christian, myself being that, there is nothing, I can say this, there is nothing more supernatural or paranormal than the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is a supernatural being through and through. Angels are supernatural beings through and through. Deities of all kind represent some supernatural pieces, some new supernatural principles. Uh, spirituality is taught through the Quran. It's taught through the passages and books of the Jewish faith. You've got the same in Asian culture. It's very respected and well-represented in Asian culture. Uh, the Chinese, the Japanese, they hold true to their customs and um, honoring and in preserving the spirit world and keeping a safe distance from it. So that is how I'm able to tie my belief in the supernatural, in UFOs, in creatures that we've not yet discovered as man, we're so arrogant and pompous, we think that we've discovered everything already, but there is yet so much left undiscovered on this planet, even in the 21st century. So much we have yet to understand or put a label on, I guess. Okay, this uh, question is from Steve. Hi, it's obvious that you are anti-Trump. Are you anti-gun too? No. Absolutely not. I'm not opposed to people owning firearms. I support the Second Amendment along with the other amendments to the Constitution, which a lot of Second Amendment gun enthusiasts don't seem to recognize there's other amendments. They just keep screaming about the Second Amendment. Anyway, I um, am a strong supporter of that. If you are in your right mind... You don't have a criminal record. You don't have a history of violence. You don't have issues with drug abuse, alcoholism, a violent past, abusing your spouse, um, issues with a mental disorder. Those things I just named off, you should not have the right to owning a firearm because you're not hinged properly. If you are a law-abiding citizen, you've not served jail time, you're not cracked out on meth, you're not abusing alcohol or abusing your loved ones, then by all means, stock up. You have a right to own that shit. But if you are a lunatic, 
or you are acquiring firearms illegally and not registering them, then you are a criminal. You are up to dubious activity, and you don't deserve a firearm. There needs to be stricter gun laws, which means you don't go to a gun show like a flea market and buy a freaking AR-15 or an AK-47 from a gun dealer who's selling things under the table and selling ammunition that's not properly categorized or registered and selling unregistered firearms, possibly stolen firearms. You, you are essentially a small arms dealer in that respect when selling in that environment from like a makeshift gun show, what I call flea markets with firearms. All right, this is from Ellie. What made you want to write books? Well, it started with my fascination and the paranormal, these documentaries I watched as a kid, reading and studying all about everything from Alcatraz to, what can I say for Z? A to Z, Alcatraz to Zootopia and everything in between. Zoology, perhaps. Uh, that's what got me into wanting to write about what I have experienced, read about, have had passed down to me from older family members, my grandmother primarily, strange tales that she shared with me. And that's what encouraged me to write my first book because she passed away in 2005 and I released my first book, which was chocked full of crazy, creepy stories she shared with me and released it in 2008. And it has gone swimmingly for me. I'm well over 10 books in to what I've written about, what I study and speak about and do lectures on, and what I have investigated myself along with my team that I assemble when I go in and requires more than just me to check everything. This one is from Angela. What is the creepiest paranormal thing you've ever experienced? Angela and my listening audience, I will share that with you right after we return from this commercial break. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash good. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face -face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash good. That's 4 slash good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash good. Family is big around here. We're family-owned, family-operated, family-managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We're back from that amazing, spectacular commercial break. This is Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. All offensive, all the time, all good, all bad. I'm everything rolled into one. I'm the same here as I am everywhere else. You won't get two-faced comments and beatitudes from me. So, Angela, your question. What's the creepiest paranormal thing you've ever experienced? That could be an array of things. Uh, For example, the Emmett House, which no longer stands. It was in Waverly, Ohio. It had something in the basement that was wicked beyond beyond measure. Uh, It was something that was invoked by a little bit of everything. They had every matter of being down there in that basement area that used to connect to the Underground Railroad and under the canal. And it was also used during the days of Prohibition. They had people down there blessing the alleged dark entities, uh, blessing the property and trying to invoke the dark entities. I believe that caused an adverse effect and opened some sort of a window to a parallel world or the spirit world itself and allowed something dark and sinister to pass through. Because you had priests down there, you had uh, Protestant clergymen, you had Wiccan priestess uh, and priests, you had uh, pagans, uh, Hare Krishna, people who worship heads of lettuce. I mean, name it. They were all down there dicking around and trying to invoke or extinguish whatever was down there causing such grief and anxiety and full of rage. Whatever it was, it, it made people very anxious and scared to go down and grab supplies when needed at the Emmett House. So when my wife and I went through there and through the basement, we experienced something in the deeper, darker, darkest portion of that basement area. There were boxes of supplies stacked to the left. There were cans of paint stacked to the right of this tunnel way. And the further you went in, the darker it got. No matter how much lighting you had, it just felt like you couldn't cut through the darkness. It was thick. And the atmosphere was thick with hostility, with anger, with grief, sadness. I mean, every emotion was felt as I was walking through this area. And my wife was becoming more and more hesitant about walking through there and just wanted to stop where we were and not go any further and just take some photographs and some video. And I didn't listen. I continued on walking into that darkness, walking into the belly underneath the building. And as I approached those boxes and those paint cans, every single box to the left flew from that side of the wall to the other side of the wall at the same time, the cans of paint. It's like something ran down that hallway and just took their arm out and knocked it all over. Cans of paint everywhere from the right to the left. Cardboard boxes and plastic totes from the left to the right. A loud crash and a lot of anger, a lot of rage. And I could feel physically something face-to-face with me just staring me down, almost daring me to go further. And as that happened, I said, okay, we're done now. Let's, Let's leave. Followed my wife up the stairs. I continued to look over my shoulder as I walked away and then turned around and faced 
whatever was still there watching us as we exited as a way to let them know I'm watching them too and to not attach itself to me. So I I hope that answers your question with the creepiest thing I've ever encountered, uh, which actually is something that that frightened me. I had uh, I had I was apprehensive about coming home right away uh, for fear of having it attach itself to my children's toys and possess them. So, next question: Have I ever seen Bigfoot or something like that? I have, in fact. Uh, when I was about ten years old, I was with two of my cousins, one of my uncles, and a neighbor at my grandmother's property, and she lives in a very thick densely populated wooded area in southeastern Ohio, the one of the deepest regions in Appalachia. Uh, sort of kind of like the outer heel of the Appalachian foothills. And we're out there playing with fireworks, poppers, and whatever you want to call them, Roman candles, and I take a Pringles can. When it's empty, you put the lid on it, and you, you blow into it with all your might, like you're taking a breathalyzer, which I've never taken one. I've just seen it take place. I've never I've never uh, you know, gotten behind the wheel when drinking. I normally only drink at home with pizza. So I blow into this can and then put the lid on it really quick. It builds up air in the can, just a little bit, enough to make a loud shotgun-type sound. Because, you know, when you're growing up in Appalachia, you play with rocks and twigs and and, uh, critters you find outside. So you you can uh, bide your time with an empty Pringles can, for sure. So I do that. We're popping off the rockets and whatnot. And it's starting to become dusk. And we notice something over by the tree line at the top of the limestone quarry hillway. Uh, The top of the hill area which at the very top of that hillside is a sacred Indian burial ground. Uh, there are arrowheads and one single mound at the top of that. It was known as a Valley Watch area uh, where indigenous people would go to the top of that and they felt that they were higher to the creator that way. They were closer to the creator by being so high up in the sky. And, you know, this was a pretty big hillside. It's not a mountain by any means, but it's a pretty big hill. So the limestone quarry on the side of the hill builds up. Pieces of limestone fall off all the time. It's where the state blew through with dynamite, creating a roadway. And at the top of this, you see the trees. And there's a lot of trees at the top, but you see something moving around the tree itself. And it is damn near as tall as the tree. And it's shrouded uh, with the leaves and with branches and so forth. But it's pulling on one of the branches and shaking that entire tree from its core. And my uncle looks up as I'm looking up. My other cousins that are there with us, they look up as well. And the neighbor notices. My uncle says, I'll be damned. I bet that's Bigfoot. And sure enough, I don't think it was a dude in a ghillie suit. Ghillie suits didn't really... They weren't available for the general population just to purchase online. There was no internet back then. So that would be the closest thing to a Bigfoot experience I have had, other than finding giant footprints here and there and uh, strange animal hair 
that was longer than what you would see on a dog and more coarse than what you would see on if apes were indigenous to America other than being in zoos it was pretty similar to that that um, was from Scott Uh, Scott also asked how do you do an investigation what tools do you use are you science minded in your approach that's a very good question Scott Uh, I mentioned earlier I use my spidey sense I go into an environment and, and I assess the atmosphere internally I'm feeling this or I'm sensing that or I'm getting glimpses and flashes of different events or things that happened in that area at a certain point in time in history then I take the scientific measuring tools out and try to validate what I'm feeling through electromagnetic frequency monitors and meters and I use K2 meters I use infrared thermometers I have a thermal imaging camera that I use as well as night vision equipment so I don't just go in saying oh I have a feeling something bad happened here anyone selling snake oil elixir can do that I mean hell we had a president for four years selling that crap to people and they were still taking it anyway I go in I have these feelings and I validate those feelings with the equipment that I use so yeah I do try to keep a, a very strong mind of science as well as tying it into my faith in the unknown Anne asks where are you from you have a very different accent people ask me this all the time I was born in southern Ohio a small village known as Beaver is where I was raised it's called Beaver it's on the map it says that and I spent my teenage years in a village outside of Beaver that's just down the road called Givens I lived on a road that was at one time known as Bumtown Hollow. It was next to the rail, uh, the the, uh, train tracks, and transients and hobos would hop on and off the trains and set up camp on this road, which is why it had the name Bumtown Hollow, in the 1920s to the 1950s. It was later changed to Meadow Run Road, which is now owned by what used to be known as Mead paper company and that's based out of Chillicothe, Ohio where I live now which is about an hour north of where I was raised so I'm from southern Ohio and for some reason I sound different I don't know if it is from the college classes I took in public speaking and the years and years of debate uh, on debating on the debate team that I did in high school and in college public speaking classes in high school and in college phonetics classes that I took while in college but I've spent years public speaking, uh, speaking to the public and my in-laws are all from New England, Vermont and areas such as that maybe I have adopted that accent with what's known as a transatlantic speak, which was the way that early radio broadcasters would talk the way they would speak is the lack of an accent no accent whatsoever just kind of radio talky talk like that so that seems to be what i what i've been left with as as far as an accent goes mark asks me have you ever seen a ufo a ufo is an unidentified flying object i've seen many things in the sky through the years that i can simply cannot explain my mother has 
friends and family have, uh, people that I meet on a regular basis when I actually do public appearances, but I haven't done many because of COVID, or people that come to book signings, or people that message me, uh, have all shared really interesting and awesome stories about what they've seen. And myself, I've seen strange lights, different shapes, the traditional triangle shape, lights changing shape into a different pattern. Um, I've encountered crop formations after said UFO experience. So yeah, I've definitely seen UFOs. It isn't something I see every day or every night for that matter. It's something that when lucky enough to look away from my phone, look up at the skies and evaluate and assess any kind of difference in astrological patterns or anything new floating in the sky, I like to pick up on that. So I try to keep my eyes on the sky regularly. Amber says, you speak your mind a lot about politics and society on your show. Why do you do that if it's about the paranormal? Well, I like to tie current events into what I do on this podcast as well, so it's not just all paranormal all the time. Uh, the way that so many people in our society are behaving now, uh, more so than ever, more so than before, definitely in my lifetime, it's not normal. The way people are, the way we're treating one another, the way we're talking to one another, not just online anymore. Not just on a private forum that's used publicly, but face-to-face. People are acting like savage animals. And that's offensive to say to an- about animals. But, uh, you know, truth be told, uh, our society is rotten to the core at this point. I don't know if there's any redeeming quality uh, within the general population at this point in time. So that's why I bring politics and society and society into my podcast because all in all it comes to a head and I do speak my mind a lot about so many things this is sort of an outlet for me I guess Uh, uh, Brady asks how long have you been doing podcasts well Brady I started in 2011 I was doing the first incarnation of Paranormally Speaking from 2011 to 2013. And then the the show that was carrying at the, the company uh, went under. So I abandoned the project and still kicked around what I used to do from years before. And then 2019, or yeah, 2019... I revived it through this new format uh, called Anchor FM. And it's been the most fun I've ever had doing any kind of public speaking presentation type format or a podcast for that matter. Uh, They give me a lot of creative freedom in this format. I greatly appreciate Anchor for that. What do you do other than writing books and doing podcasts? Asks Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. That's a very good question. I will get back to you and my listening audience on that as soon as we return from this amazing, spectacular commercial break. We'll be right back. 
experience Columbus's newest and most entertaining haunted attraction, Carnage Haunted House. Carnage Haunted House and their monsters return to an all-new indoor 60,000-square-foot location at 3770 Refugee Road, home of intense terror that's guaranteed to scare. Featuring the bayou, the entity, and more, experience the thrill of two of Columbus's most immersive attractions and terrifying all-indoor haunts under one roof. For ticket prices and hours of operation, visit them on Facebook or check out CarnageHauntedHouse.com. And we're back for more from Paranormally Speaking. I'm still here. I'm still here. Uh, what is this question? The next one. Number 14. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Kelly asks, what do you do other than writing books and doing podcasts? Well, I illustrate children's books along with working on and helping with paranormal documentaries, assisting in Q&A sessions for those. I've appeared in several documentaries. I have uh, added my name in screenwriting as well. I was a co-writer for Blood Alley, Chillicothe Makes a Movie, about a zombie outbreak. It's an indie film that actually won some indie film accolades and is featured on Amazon Prime. You can actually watch it there. I am also featured in the film, my wife and I, but I have credits for screenwriting in that. I have writing credits for an episode of Haunted Collector, along with uh, a few other documentaries, just as an example. I coach soccer locally. I don't do it for, you know, it's for community soccer leagues, not for high school or junior high or whatnot. I, I do that when I have free time. I appear in art shows. I do artwork as well. Those are a few things I do other than writing books, doing podcasts, besides traveling. I own and operate my own company, along with uh, my partner and brother-in-law. And the next question, or statement to a question, you bash Trump on almost all of your shows. What did he do to you to make you hate him so much from Jeremy? He's never done anything personally to me. He just reminds me of every horrid, awful son-of-a-bitch boss I've ever had throughout my formative years, well into young adulthood, and which is one of the main reasons I said screw the system and bought my own company. So the only person who can be a dick to me is myself. Uh, Trump, my God, where should I begin? It was the 1980s. A show called Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, hosted by Robin Leach. He had Trump on there. It was like 1985 or 86. I was shy of 12 years old. And he had Trump on there. He was the most sarcastic, egotistical, obnoxious blowhard I'd ever seen or listened to. I never took the guy seriously. Never liked him. Never trusted him. Never wanted anything to do with him or any of his products. And my dislike for him just continued to grow through the 80s into the 90s and the early 2000s with his hack of a show, The Apprentice, where he basically every week treated people like shit, got paid for it, promoted one person out of all of the pieces of shit that he 
treated like shit. So they finally became his apprentice, which he then spent the rest of their short-lived career treating them like garbage. Then he goes on to become the president of the United States and takes a big healthy dump on democracy. He made a mockery of democracy. The man... My God, where should I... If I have to explain any more than that, then you're really not paying attention to the state of the world, the state of our country. And it's not getting any better. He's gone, but his troglodytes are still following closely. And hell, what we have going on right now and who we have in charge, really, they can't do much. It's their first term. And you are really... You're setting the stage when you are a first-term president to then be successful your second term if you make it that far. So the stage is set. It's only a matter of time whether or not Biden gets elected again or someone else comes in. Uh, What was your first paranormal experience, Amanda asks? That would be when I was about four years old. Five, four or five. My grandfather died when I was three. And every year at the one-year anniversary, at the anniversary of his death, I would see him in the hallway of my grandmother's house, reaching out to me, looking confused and like he was in great pain, reaching out to me. And when I was younger, it freaked me out. I'd run off. I'd like, why am I seeing grandpa? Why does he look upset? Uh, My grandmother believed me, but everyone else thought I was crazy and asked me to stop talking about it. So I started to suppress what I was seeing and hearing and it went on from there, not just seeing my grandfather but then encountering other unexplainable things. Seeing things, hearing things and just learning to not talk about it. Uh, I grew up in sort of a strict religious home. Not too strict, not like you see Quakers and Puritans or super evangelical homes, but there were certain things you just didn't talk about out loud, or if you had questions about this or that, the answer was always just to read your Bible, go to the Bible, pray about it. Never really an open forum to where we could sit and discuss these issues openly and away from what a literal interpretation of Scripture could potentially tell you. So that would be my first paranormal experience, encountering the ghost of my grandfather. Okay, the last one I have on this list, and I'm open any time after this episode and in the future. If you have any other questions, I'm, I'm happy to field these. This question is from Patrick. What are orbs exactly, and what do you think of them? Are they real paranormal evidence or just confusing people? Okay. There's a big difference between moisture droplets that appear when condensation sets in or there's a change in the atmosphere between hot and cold and what could potentially appear on a camera's lens because of atmospheric change. Water droplets often have rings in the center. The same goes for dust particles. You often see rings in the center, like you would a tree when it's cut in half. Each ring represents a stage in that tree's life. And for dust particles and water droplets, or moisture for that matter, 
when superimposed, it looks like rings are in the center. Now, if it's something that is the right type of orb, something spiritual, something electromagnetic that appears just out of nowhere in the center of the picture, off to the right, shooting across. These show up a lot in videos. But if it has some sort of a a blue haze or an orange or yellow to it, some kind of an electromagnetic haze, and it looks almost milky in the center, chances are you captured some sort of spiritual anomaly. Theoretically speaking, that's not dust, that's not moisture. It is potentially something spiritual or something electromagnetic manifesting through that electromagnetism to show itself on film. And that is the end of all all the questions I have that I'm fielding in this episode. And yet again, I'm going to go to another commercial break because my my sponsors pay me well. I'll be right back after this. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Unparalleled insider access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer details apply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. That's it for this week. Thanks again for hanging in there while I'm answering those questions. I hope that it was entertaining, informative, and not boring as hell. Join me next week. It'll be a surprise. God knows exactly what I'm going to talk about, for I do not have it worked out yet. Could be a project I had cooked up with my son. Could be a topic on the Salem Witch Trials, which I thought would be a great uh, tie-in to Halloween. But anyway, as I always say, keep your eyes on the sky. Listen to those bumps in the night. Don't ignore the voices, the sounds, the shadows, the things you see in the corner of your eye. They could all mean something. They could all be trying to tell you something. They could be saying, hello, goodbye, or warning you of impending doom. It's hard to tell. Could be a harbinger of sorrow. Nonetheless, it's fun to learn about this, talk about it, have a place where we can discuss it openly and not be judged or face retribution. Have a terrific weekend. Next weekend will be Halloween. the beginning of the most wonderful time of the year. I have a lot of fun during this time. And take the opportunity this weekend to go out and see the light displays for Halloween of your neighbors, of people in the town in which you live, or just travel outside of your town and just look at Halloween lights and enjoy it for what it has to offer. You don't have to go up and shake hands with the people to put them out. Just 
It feels good sometimes to see people drive by slowly, not casing the joint, planning to rob you, but just looking at your Halloween display. Thanks again for listening. I'm Neil Parks, signing off. At the end of the-